Let us now read what we confess in the Heidelberg Catechism in Lord's Day 46. But before we do that, let's read from the Belgian Confession, Article 25, and the first, particle, first paragraph of Article 26. Article 25, Christ, the fulfillment of the law. We believe that the ceremonies and symbols of the law have ceased with the coming of Christ and that all shadows have been fulfilled so that the use of them ought to be abolished amongst Christians. Yet their truth and substance remain for us in Jesus Christ in whom they have been fulfilled. In the meantime, we still use the testimonies taken from the law and the prophets, both to confirm us in the doctrine of the gospel and to order our life in all honor according to God's will and to his glory. And in Article 26, first paragraph, Christ's intercession, we believe that we have no access to God except through the only mediator and advocate Jesus Christ the righteous. For this purpose he became man, uniting together the divine and human nature, that we men might not be barred from but have access to the divine majesty. This mediator, however, whom the Father has ordained between himself and us, should not frighten us by his greatness, so that we look for another according to our fancy. There is no creature in heaven or on earth who loves us more than Jesus Christ. Though he was in the form of God, he emptied himself, taking the form of man and of a servant for us. Philippians 2, verse 6 and 7. And was made like his brethren in every respect. Hebrews 2, verse 17. If, therefore, we had to look for another intercessor, could we find one who loves us more than he who laid down his life for us, even while we were his enemies? Romans 8, Romans 5, 8 and 10. If we had to look for one who has authority and power, who has more than he who is seated at the right hand of the Father and who has all authority in heaven and on earth? Matthew 28, verse 18. Moreover, who will be heard more readily than God's own well-beloved Son? Now then, from Lord's Day 46... Why has Christ commanded us to address God as our Father, to awaken in us at the very beginning of our prayer that childlike reference and trust toward God, which would be basic to our prayer? God has become our Father through Christ and will much less deny us what we ask of him in faith than our fathers would refuse us earthly things. Why is there added, who art in heaven, these words teach us not to think of God's heavenly majesty in an earthly manner and to expect from his almighty power all things we need for body and soul. After the sermon, we will sing from hymn 32, the stanzas 1, 2, and 3. of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters.
This past Thursday was marked on the calendar as Ascension Day. On that day, we remember that Christ rose bodily into heaven and that he went to sit at the right hand of the Father. In Article 53 of the Church Order, we are even told that we must, we, that we must commemorate the Ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ at least once a year in a matter decided upon by the consistory. We are not allowed to forget the ascension. Why is the ascension so significant? And what does this have to do with this petition? Well, it is only because of Christ's ascension that we are assured of free access to our Father in heaven. And that's what I will preach to you about this afternoon. The theme is as follows. Christ's ascension assures us free access to the Father. We will see two things. First of all, access gained. In the second place, access maintained. Christ's ascension assures us free access to the Father. Access gained, access maintained. This afternoon, we are dealing with the first sentence of the Lord's Prayer. It is the beginning of the prayer that the Lord Jesus Christ himself taught us. This gives us a certain confidence. Knowing that the Lord Jesus himself taught us this prayer allows us to rest assured that our prayers need to contain nothing more than this perfect prayer. That does not mean, of course, that we should only pray this prayer as if this is the only prayer that is acceptable to God. Christ does not want us to repeat this prayer mindlessly over and over again. For it is not the saying of the prayer as such that gives us access to God. No, the Lord's Prayer is a model for our own prayer. When we confess this afternoon that the Lord commanded us to pray in this way, then it is not so much the words that concern us, but the meaning behind these words. And first of all, the Lord God teaches us to address God as our Father. And yet we know that there are three persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Why does Christ want us to address God, the Father, in our prayers? Why does Christ not teach us to pray to himself as our Lord and Savior, or to pray to the Holy Spirit? Well, when we speak about the first person of the Trinity, and then we especially have in mind the creator and the sustainer of the universe. He is also the judge. That is also how God the Father has revealed himself. He speaks, the scriptures speak about the Father in those roles. For each person of the Trinity has his own role. It is the task of God the Father to create and to provide and to judge the living and the dead. It is within the power of the Father to give you things. That does not mean, of course, that the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit do not have those powers as well. Of course, the three are one. They are all God. But each person of the Trinity has his own sphere of activity. That is how God has revealed himself. The Lord Jesus Christ has a different role from the Father. 
And that is why we do not pray to him. It is not his role to give things to us, but it is his role to give things through him. It is his role to open the door to the Father who gives us all things necessary for body and soul. With the Lord's Prayer, the Lord Jesus wants to teach us that that it is the Almighty God who created all things, that he is our Father in heaven, and that we can speak to him because of the work that the Lord Jesus Christ has done. That is the wonderful message of the ascension. Christ died on the cross and went into heaven so that God could be our Father and so that we could become his children. For no one can be a father without children. By commanding us to address him as such, we are reminded that the Lord God, who is our Father, created us through and he has made us through his great part of his family. In order to understand the different roles of the three persons of the Trinity, you have to put it, first of all, within the context of the Old Testament. Hebrews 10 brings us back to the Old Testament. And there we read about the curtain which Christ has opened for us. It speaks about the curtain that separates the holy place from the holy of holies or the most holy place or the tabernacle. And later on, when the tabernacle was replaced by the temple, instead of a curtain, there was a wall that separated the holy place from the court of the heathens. And by that wall, there was a sign in several languages which said that any heathen who would enter the holy place would most certainly be put to death. Only someone who was circumcised could enter the holy place. But further into the temple, even the circumcised Jews did not have unlimited access. For within that court, within that holy place, stood another building, which was the actual temple. And that temple had two rooms. The first room was considered to be part of the holy place, and behind that was the holy of holies, or the sanctuary, or the most holy place. Only the priests on service, such as Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, could come near to that most holy place. But they could not go one step further. They could not, they could not go there because it was contaminated. They were contaminated by sin. And now in Hebrews 10, we see that Christ is compared to the curtain that hangs in that temple that separates the holy place from the most holy place. Christ is the high priest who went with his own blood into the holy of holies and acquired for us the atonement once for all. He removed the obstacles that prevents us from approaching the Father. The curtain that limits man's access to God has been shred to pieces. And it opened for God's people a new way. When Christ died on the cross, the invisible hand of God tore the temple into two pieces from top to bottom. And that is why he could also ascend into heaven. The way had been opened through his perfect obedience. 
It is now through the Lord Jesus Christ that we obtain unbridled access to the Father. And that is why we also pray to the Father and not to the Son or to the Holy Spirit. For it is through Christ that the way is opened to the Holy of Holies. We pray to the Father in Jesus' name because it is Christ who opens up the way to the Father. The Son gains us access to the Father, and it is the Holy Spirit who equips us and purifies us. Without the purification or sanctification through the Holy Spirit, we would not be acceptable in the sight of God the Father. But now we are. It is through the Holy Spirit. And today we no longer have a temple in which to approach God, but we can approach him directly in heaven. Does that mean now that we have greater freedom and greater benefits than the Old Testament believer? It is true that in the Old Testament, the Israelites could only enter the holy place and not the holy of holies as we can now. But let's not forget that the tabernacle and all its symbols and ceremonies only represented a copy of what is found in heaven. It only symbolizes the way we gain access to the Father. And so in the Old Testament, the Israelites could have direct access to the Father. He could do so through faith. He too had to believe that God could remove his sins. It is true, during the Old Testament times, Christ had not yet been born. And so we are richer nowadays. The Old Testament believer could, however, look forward to his coming. Yet for the Old Testament believer, that they not make the forgiveness of sins any less of a reality. The temple only symbolized the obstacles that lay in the way. But God himself would remove those obstacles. He made a covenant with man. He gave mankind the promise of the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. And through Christ, all the obstacles have been removed. But the access to the Father remains the same, the same as it was in the Old Testament, as is true in the New, it is through faith. In Article 25 of the Belgian Confession, we are told that the truth and the substance of the ceremonies and symbols remain for us in Jesus Christ. What is the truth and the substance of the Old Testament ceremonies? Well, the high priest in entering the Holy of Holies represented the people of God. He performed the ceremonies on their behalf, and he made his preparation in the Holy of Holies in the sanctuaries. And what was in that sanctuary, therein we find three items. The lampstand, the table for the bread of presence, and the altar of incense. The lampstand reminds us of the words of the words that the Lord Jesus himself, when he said that we are to be a light in this world. That means that Christ's light must shine in us and through us. And we do this by being witnesses in this world, through our words, through our deeds. And that means that through us, unbelievers may experience the free access they too can have to God the Father. 
And the second item that we encounter is the table for the bread of the presence. And that reminds us that Christ is the bread of life. He invites us to partake of his bread that is his word. Christ comes to us with his promise of eternal life. In our reading and our studying of the Bible, we encounter God in his greatness. And next week, the Lord willing, we will also be able to do that as we sit around the Lord's supper table together. The bread reminds us of the bread that was found already in the tabernacle. And that bread is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. That is what it pointed to. And in the third place, we find in the sanctuary the altar of incense. Incense has to do with prayer life. That is the smoke that goes up to God. And it is within that context that we deal with Lord's Day 46 today. Lord's Day 46 has to do with our life of prayer. When Christ was about to depart from this world, he said to his disciples that it is better that he would go away. And now if we understand this in terms of the tabernacle, we can have a better understanding of these words of the Lord Jesus. For his message to them was this. I have now for years walked around the sanctuary with you. I have pointed you to the sin offering which had to be made. For I told you about my impending death on the cross. I am the sacrifice. So don't be sad. I have something better for you. I'm going to go into the Holy of Holies for you and there sprinkle my blood on the seat of atonement. I am ascending into heaven to be with my Father afterwards. For that's where I belong. But I'm not just going to leave it at that, says the Lord Jesus. I'm going to come back. For I will send you my spirit and dwell in you. In this way, my entry into the Holy of Holies also allows you to do the same. And I have opened the way for you. But only believe that I have done this for you. Depend on that sacrifice that I made for you. And so Christ opened up the way to the Father. But that door also has to be kept open. We come to the second point, namely how we maintain access to the Father. God does not always seem close to us, does he? There seem to be so many obstacles in the way that limit our access to God. And that is not because of God, but that is because of our own sinfulness. We have many questions and few answers. And at times we may cry out in despair, Why, Lord, why is this such a broken world? Why is there so much pain and suffering? Why is it that there are so few people who believe in you? And the answers sometimes seem far off. Is God really a God who answers our prayers? Does he really hear us? Does he understand? Does he understand me? Does he understand my circumstances? And at times like that, you need to be reminded that through Christ, who, don't forget, is a human being just like you and me, that through Christ you have unlimited access to the Father. The Lord Jesus Christ is the one who walked here on this same earth 
just like you and me. And he knows what it is like. He knows our he knows our struggles. He also suffered pain and sorrow and loneliness. But now he is seated at the right hand of God the Father. And now he is also the answer to all your questions. The, for, the further you go with Christ, the clearer the answers become. Nevertheless, there often still seems to be a curtain before our eyes. It seems hard to open that curtain all the way. And this happens especially when there's a crisis in our lives. Now you come to a point in your life where you no longer see a way out. Even in your prayer to God, there seem to be no answers. But Christ also brings you through a crisis like that. There are many examples of that in the Bible. Just think about Job and his miserable circumstances. The Lord said about him, There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Job 2 verse 3. But then a great crisis comes about in Job's life, of which he has little understanding. But then after his crisis is over, he says, My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Job 42 verse 5. A crisis that takes this road then becomes an enormous blessing. And so it is with our walk in the Lord. The longer and the closer we walk with him, the better we see, the clearer our vision becomes. For we are indeed rich. Christ does not have to be with us in the flesh in order for us to receive his full presence. As a matter of fact, it is much better now that we have our flesh in heaven. As the author to the Hebrews says, we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. Christ's body in heaven means that we too have access to the Father who is in the heavenly temple. For remember that Christ has torn away that curtain for us. And therefore we too can end with the words of David who put his trust in the Lord. David had only one desire, he said, and that is to be with the Lord. He does not ask for the world. He does not ask for wealth or good health or anything else. His desire, he says, is to be with the Lord always. And that is why he says in Psalm 27 verse 4, one thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Answer 121 tells us that the words who art in heaven were added so that we would not think of God's heavenly majesty in a earthly matter, in an earthly manner. That is what the world does. They believe that Christ was some man who died a natural death and whose grave held his body captive in the earth. They do not believe in his resurrection or his ascension. For they do not know Christ and they do not know why he came to earth. 
For why did he come? He came so that God's glory may be revealed to us sinful men. He came to make us realize that there is a great rift between God and us and that that rift can only be bridged by God's only Son, by the Lord Jesus Christ. This world does not believe in God as he has revealed himself in his word. Mankind does not believe in heaven. Oh, sure, they seek God, but they seek him in human relationships. You meet God in your encounter with one another. Heaven is created here on earth, so they say. And it is man who must do that. And so man today is also optimistic about the future. They have to be. But there is no reason for that kind of optimism. Man has not made any progress at all. He is just as sinful and he is just as destructive and just as deceitful as he ever has been. God, however, has made progress and he has done that through his son. He reconciles men to himself who seek such reconciliation. The believer knows that there is a great future in store for him, but not through the efforts of man. It is only through God alone. For we expect, as it says in answer 121, from his almighty power, all things we need for body and soul. A believer knows how powerful God is. For he knows that he is the one who created all things and that he created all things through his son. A believer is careful in the way that he approaches almighty God. Although he knows him as his father, he also knows how powerful and how majestic God is. And therefore he shows reverence in the way that he approaches his father in heaven. And for all that he has done. And so, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, remember why Christ came. He did not come in order to remain here on this earth. And he did not come in weakness. No, he came to deal with sin. He came to do battle against Satan. He came to deliver this world. And in order to bring that about, he had to ascend into heaven triumphantly and to prepare for all his children for he will come again he will come again to do away with all those who think of him only in an earthly manner and therefore do not think of a lord and savior in an earthly manner for now he is our lord and our savior through him we may approach god's throne of grace and he will not turn you away for he For although he is almighty, he is also our Father in heaven, a Father who cares for us and who loves us. Amen.